Hey everybody, check out this new awesome podcast by my friend Alex Stone called Life is the Game. Here's her trailer. Welcome to Life is the Game, hosted by yours truly, Alexandra Nicole Stone. Get ready to uncover the secrets to mastering your destiny, becoming the main character in your life, and embracing a life filled with meaning and joy. Together, we're going to explore the journeys of incredible people who've hacked the hamster wheel matrix we're all living in, taken epic risks, and gone on countless side quests to play the game of life the way they want to. Ready? Let's play. Welcome to Beyond the Microphone, a podcast about podcasters and the stories of how their shows came together, grew, and what they discovered along the way. I'm your host, Adam Baru. So I'd like to talk a little bit about calls to action before we get into our interview today with our guest. And, you know, I think there's some confusion around calls to action. Um, a lot of people feel uncomfortable doing them. Um, for me, I, you know, I think I felt a little bit uncomfortable doing them for a while. Um, partly because, you know, you know, with my podcast, I'm more interested in the stories and, and my mission really isn't to, you know, have this whole business around what I'm doing and driving people towards, you know, a program or whatever. So I didn't really, you know, for me, I didn't really know what I should have for a call to action. Um, you know, but ultimately, everybody should at least be, you know, pushing people to go give you a review and a rating because it really does. That, that is a great way for people to help you. Um, and your podcast be discovered. So it's completely okay to ask for listeners to to go and do that. I mean, if they've listened to an episode and they've gotten that far to the end and, and uh, now they're hearing your call to action, leave them with something because they do want to help. I mean, they stuck with you long enough to to listen to the episode and, and engage in the content um, that they're hearing. So, um, you know, whether you have your podcast monetized, you know, towards something. I mean, if you do definitely, you know, leave them a call to action towards that. Um, if you have like a masterclass program, like our guest here today, you know, leave your listener with something that they can follow up with. If you have a Facebook group, um, whatever it may be, calls to action, definitely you should be doing them. Even if, you know, like I said, it's not, going to monetize a business that you have, ask them to, to leave a review um, and to rate your podcast. Because I think, like I said, if they've gotten to the end, they're clearly engaged with your message and your content. And I do think that they'd be happy to do that. So let's go ahead and introduce our guest here today. Her name is Tina Stinson. She is the host of the podcast Soul Aligned Self-Care, which talks about deep level self-care practices to help you have success in both your personal and professional life by reducing stress, anxiety, and overwhelm, and creating a strong, loving connection with yourself. Soul Aligned Self-Care currently has 64 published episodes with a 5 out of 5 rating and publishes approximately weekly. So, Tina, welcome to Beyond the Microphone. Thanks for having me, Adam. I'm so happy to be here. Well, last week, I had the great fortune of being a guest on your podcast. So I was very much looking to reconnecting with you here today. And I think what you're doing is is clearly something that I'm passionate about. Um, just in my own journey, 
having overcome really so much in the last couple of years and, and trying to, you know, my best and it's hard work, but to find a level of self-awareness that helps me grow, um, helps me overcome some of the trauma that I, I think has just been stuck in my nervous system for the past, you know, 40 plus years. Um, and it, you know, I think more and more people, especially here in August of 2023, having gone through the pandemic, which was clearly a traumatic experience for us all, it's really important that, you know, we're, we're at this age in just in our growth as a society, um, to have these important conversations, to have people like yourself that are bringing to light these types of, you know, open and vulnerable and authentic conversations so that, you know, as listeners are listening to your podcast or, you know, to your episode here today, I mean, people I think are seeking, they're seeking a connection. They're seeking opportunities to heal something within themselves. And it's the more that we can share that and the more stories that we can tell about our own experiences, I, I do think it's it's making a huge impact. And it makes me also just very optimistic about the time and age in which we live. So, Let's get into your story. I mean, tell us about how, you know, you got into this line of work, into this um, dedication towards helping people help themselves. Yes, I would love to. And I want to thank you again for being so vulnerable and open and sharing your story. It was so helpful. And, you know, it's my goal is really to normalize deep level self-care for people, not just women, but also men. And I think it's really important to learn how to put yourself first so you could put that best version of yourself into the world. Um, but my journey started many years ago, uh, 2007, when at the age of, um, now I'm gonna like totally tell everybody exactly how old I am. At the, <laughs> at the age of 39, I had a stroke that was caused by stress. Mm. And a lot of people always say to me, well, how do you know it was caused by stress? And it's because I, I literally like popped a vein. It wasn't like a typical, a stroke that you would have from like clogged arteries or something like that. I tore part of my vein and there was no like uh, injury, like a car accident or anything like that. So it came down to the conclusion that it was caused by the extreme stress I was under and I was under a lot of stress. And what I like to tell about this story is that at the time I was in the best shape of my life. So I was working out quite often. I was very, very fit because that's how I, I was going through a really um, difficult divorce, and that's how I was venting myself. So I was doing everything. I was doing boxing. I was doing kickboxing. I was doing MMA. I was doing everything. <laughs> so I was in really good shape. I ate pretty well, um, but I was under an extreme amount of stress, and to the point where sometimes at the end of the day, my body would just tremble from exhaustion. I was raising three kids by myself and I had a very high stress, 100% commission job. And so it was just a, a lot of stress, but I was young. And so I kept telling myself, I'm okay, I'm young, I can handle this. This is just how it is. I don't really have much of a choice. And I was not handling my stress and I didn't really know how to handle my stress. And so what happened to me and what happens to most people when they're in this situation, I just reached that point of burnout, point of no return, where I ended up having a stroke, and my body forced me to sit still. So the way that it was handled, what happened was, you know, I tore, the artery in my neck tore. Mm -hmm. uh, when you have an injury in any part of your body, your blood, your blood clots up, right? 
And so it clotted up and then it blocked that artery. It was my vertebral artery. And that's why I'm still here talking with you because you have two vertebral arteries that go to your brain. I had a clot go into my brain also. And so um, this side was completely clogged. And so they decided that the safest thing to do is to let it heal just like that. It was mm. too dangerous to do surgery. So they basically told me I had to sit still for eight weeks, which was the average amount of time it takes for an artery to heal. Wow. And in that time period, so I had three kids. So uh, my mom, God bless her, she came and took care of my kids, which was very difficult. As you could imagine, you have children to watch somebody else take care of your kids while you're just like sitting there. Um, also, I was told I had to sleep on my back. I had a neck brace I had to wear, you know, and uh, I just felt like this ticking time bomb. I remember waking up sometimes in the morning, laying on my stomach all twisted and being like, oh my God, you know, I'm not on my back anymore. Uh, but it was eight long weeks and it just gave me a lot of time to really evaluate my life and start to think about what I could do to change the way I was living my life in order to be around for my children. I was their only parent that was taking care of them at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I know I have to be there for him, them. And so I just looked at everything. I looked at it holistically, which was, you know, I looked at what I was eating, what kind of movement I was doing, how that movement was affecting me, what I needed to do to protect my energy. Like, how could I raise my vibration? How, how can I get in touch with my intuition? How can I set boundaries to support myself, right? So mm. just doing all these different things, it was just like this really long process. And it started with me becoming a health coach. And I was very focused on plant-based nutrition, which really served me well. And then it moved into becoming a life coach. Um, but one of the best parts of this story that I love to share is uh, a couple I was a, I was a big time runner when I when this happened to me mm -hmm. and running was really important to me so my goal was to run again and the doctors told me that I probably shouldn't right and so I started reading and trying to look for some kind of evidence that I could heal from this and I could live my life actively the way I like to live yeah. And one day when I was in the neurologist's office, I was reading one of those really boring neurology magazines. And there was a story in there about an NFL football player. And I don't know his name. I know you were probably going to ask me that, but I don't remember his name. And I still to this day can't find it. But I read the article and I got to the point in the article where it said he went on to play football again in the NFL. And then I just was like, okay, that's all I need right there. And I closed it. And I was like, I'm going to start running again, whether they want me to or not. I just got to the point where um, looking at myself, living in a state of fear, worried that I was just going to drop dead at any moment. I just didn't want to live my life that way. I didn't want to be somebody my kids had to take care of as I got older, you know. And I just wanted to be that kind of spicy, vigorous woman that I was. That, that's, that, that's who I am. And so I started running again and I had my stroke in May and I ran my first 5k in December with my oldest daughter, which I always look back and say that was probably a mistake just in case I dropped dead on that first run. But, <laughs> but, but I made it obviously. And I went on to run probably 15 plus half marathons, one marathon, 
six Ragnars I've run. So I've, it's, I've just continued on. And a couple of years after this, I was in my neighbor, home neighborhood and I was running around and I felt really, really good. I was feeling really good. So I was like, you know what, instead of three, I'm going to do five miles, right? And I came around the corner and then all of a sudden I got that same feeling I had when I had the stroke and I almost fell on my face, you know, like I, you know how when you're falling and you're trying to catch yourself, yeah. that's what I did, but I didn't fall. And I walked home, I called a friend and I walked home and then called my neurologist right away. And he told me to come into the emergency room and they, they did an angio to see what was going on. And he took me out of sedation and he was like, Tina, you're not going to believe this. He was like, your artery is completely open and healed. And the Amazing. artery that was healed closed was open now with no explanation. And I, yeah. I was like, well, what are the odds of this happening again? And he was basically like, I've never seen this happen. So I don't really know, one or 2%. Wow. And so I just went on with that and I said, you know what? If, you know, your mindset really has a lot to, to do with, you know, your health and the way your body responds to you. And I always think about what if I didn't start running again and I lived in that kind of like victim mindset and I stayed there for the rest of my life? Where would I be? Would my kids be taking care of me? Would I have run all those races and, you know, all that stuff? I would have had a completely different life. And so that had a huge effect on me and the way that I work with my clients today. It, it had just, mm. the, that was one of the biggest, most powerful lessons that I've ever learned in my life. Um, and so when I first started coaching, I worked as a health coach. Um, and then I became a life coach uh, pretty recently, like 2019, 20, I think. So it was pretty recently. And I just came to this conclusion that I could help people more if I focused on this deep level self-care that I talk about all the time, even though um, it's not something um, a lot of people talk about. Like I, I talk about surface level self-care being things like getting your nails done and the bubble baths and the massages and very important things, right? I love those things and they're very important. But the deep level stuff is the stuff that like you and I have had talked about where you're really working on that inner work, you know, yeah. like your boundaries, setting boundaries and maintaining boundaries in your life. And that, that is what was mo most important to me. And I was like, this is what, this is my message. This is my purpose. I need to do this so that I can help people realize that you can't put this stuff off. It's going to show its ugly face somehow mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form, uh, some sort of dis-ease, I say, in the body, right? You know, yeah. it could show up as high blood pressure. It could show up as a heart attack. It could show up, like in me, a stroke. It could show up as an autoimmune disease. Somehow, it just depends on what your, the way your body kind of emphasizes it, it's going to show up. And so I want to help people take care of themselves and normalize this type of deep level self-care so they don't have to go through what I went through, which was really really difficult. Yeah. So, you know, I find it really fascinating. You, you know, you were, you were doing the things that you thought you needed to do to get through all the stress. You were running, um, sounds like you were eating well and, you know, taking care of what on the surface you thought you would help you through that really stressful time. 
Um, but you know, our issues are in our tissues. I mean, I, I think our bodies are going to withstand, um, a certain level of nervous system assault until it can't anymore. And, you know, for me, it was all of a sudden out of nowhere, really profound anxiety attacks for you. It was your artery ripping and the stroke. Um, and so I, I, you know, I don't think there's really enough known about that deep level self-care about, um, really what's happening in our nervous system and our, in our bodies, um, the way that our issues are held in our tissues, um, where, you know, at some point our, our bodies are just going to say, all right, well, I've, I've been whispering, um, there's a plug for Irene Ortiz glass, by the way, whose podcast, what I wish I knew I, I produce it's on, um, it's a menopause discussion, but I think it's, it's fascinating to bring this up because she has a book coming out called, um, the body whispers before it screams. And, um, you know, her issue, uh, like uh, while her issues manifested in a different way, a really, really, really profound, um, and terrible experience going into menopause. Um, you know, I think our, our bodies are going to throw the red flags, whichever way they think it it's best for you to stop what you're doing. So kind of thinking about that concept, our bodies whisper before they scream, going back to that time. Can you think of perhaps how your body was trying to let you know what was going on um, until it got to the point where it really let you know? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because everything's always so visible in hindsight, right? When you look back at it. Right. And so as I said to you before, one of the things that used to always happen to me, and this was really normal, this was the only thing I would notice as far as like uh, exhaustion, like complete exhaustion. So my, my oldest daughter played every sport. She didn't just pick one. She played every one. And then she was good at it. So she was on the school team and then some other private team also. So, and then I had the two little ones and they're like kind of six years apart. So like I was literally going to like practices with kids, you know, packing like snacks and everything and sitting on benches, having my kids fall asleep at night, you know, eight o'clock at night, <laughs> doing mm -hmm. things like that. And I remember sitting still and my body would like vibrate. It would almost buzz. And just like, there was this like yeah. this low level shake in my whole body, just complete exhaustion. But it took me a little while to figure out that that's what it was. I was just so out of touch with my body. I was so in that busy loop of I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to do right. this, that I, I wasn't really in touch really with my body. And so I knew that when my body started shaking, I would have to rest a little bit, right? So it was like I was letting myself get to like the, like the furthest point. I mean, I don't know if anybody, this happens to anybody else, but I feel like that was just like the furthest point before I collapsed that then I was like, oh, okay, all right, so I'll give myself some time tomorrow and I'll like, I'll rest a little bit, you know? And so that was, that was one of the signs. Now, leading up to the actual stroke, which I think almost was like kind of too late at this point, I got a lot of signs, but I want to mention them just so that people know that uh, these are, these can be signs of yeah. like uh, interference or something happening with your brain. So I had a lot of eye, eye issues, like eyesight things. So I remember, so I sold real estate. That's what I did. 
And I was at this listing appointment. It was really intense. It was a very high level listing appointment. And I had the husband on one side of me and the wife on the other side. And I was just like talking to them and going back and forth. And then I said to them, would you mind if I stood up and faced you so I could look at both of you at the same time? And they were like, that, that would be fine. So I stood up, I turned around and I faced them. And all of a sudden, all of my eyesight pixelated, kind of like when you're like, do you remember the days when we used to have like, well, I think we still do have satellite dishes and it rained really hard and it would get pixelated. That's what it looked like. And I was just like, and mm -hmm. I just like, I brushed it off because I was like, oh, I didn't have breakfast and it's already one o'clock and I didn't eat. And that's, this is a lot of stress right now. And, and my neurologist was like, I bet that was when one of the clots went into your brain. He was like, <sighs> and I had a lot of pain. I had a lot of pain in my neck. And I'm not really the type of person that takes any type of medication, even like an Advil or a Tylenol. But I was, it was like a, an annoying pain. And I was like, ah, I must have hurt myself working out. So I kept taking, I think it was Advil I was taking at the time, mm -hmm. taking it, popping it, popping it. And then I, I, but it wasn't like bad enough for me to actually go to the doctor kind of thing. And so like there were all these little signs like that. There were kind of like, warning me that something was going to happen yeah. but i just wasn't paying attention because i kept going back to that mentality of oh my god you know i'm i'm 39 like i'm young like i can handle this i can do this and i think it's it's you know i think we have to remind ourselves that there's like you said there's only so much that our body can store as far as stress is concerned and if you you could be the type of person that's under a lot of stress, like a lot, like a very stressful job. You know, somebody might be listening and they might be saying, oh, I have stress like that all the time. But sometimes the difference might be that that person who works really hard and has that stress also plays hard and rests. I wasn't getting any of that because as you know, and as anyone knows, when you're taking care of three kids by yourself, I was also kind of far from family was like two and a half hours away. So I didn't have that benefit. Um, you d I didn't have any downtime. There was none, absolutely none. And so I, I think that that could be like one of the smallest, like a small difference that makes a big difference in how your body handles those stress levels. Also, when it comes to movement and your body and relieving stress, not every type of physical movement is going to relieve stress. Some of those movements put your body into a state of fight or flight, like running, you know, um, right. you know, so I was running to me was a big release. It still is today. It's like when I'm like angry, running is the best thing for me. So like I always tell people, if you see me go out and run 10 miles, something's definitely wrong. Something's like something's something's not going good for me, but when it comes to relieving stress, that's not something that I can use, right? And so I learned this. I learned to create like a toolbox for myself. And I do this with my clients where I'm like, when you're angry, this is what works. And when you're, when yeah. you're sad, this is what works. When you're anxious, this is what works. Because what works for one thing doesn't always work for those other things. And it's really or good to learn. what works for one person too is, yeah. Exactly. Like maybe not work for everybody else. But but that's a time for people to ha to, to reflect and, and kind of give themselves the space and the time to look inward and and, and make a list of, of what is going to refill their battery. And I, I wanted to ask mm -hmm. you, um, 
you know, again and again, it's personal, like what works for you may not work for everybody, but what are some of the things that you do? What is in your toolbox? Um, what do you go to, to, to help, um, regenerate that, that deep, um, um, steadiness within yourself? Oh yeah. I would love to share. Um, so, you know, when I'm very anxious, the thing that works for me would be either meditation or yoga. Yoga is something that really works really well for me. Um, when I'm anxious, breath works, breath work works really well for me. Also, I can actually just lower my blood pressure really quickly. And I learned this, um, with it, like a little bout with high blood pressure caused by anxiety. And now I don't have to take any medication for it. I just use breath work, uh, you know, mm. so anxiety, I have a really good toolkit when I'm sad. I know that I need to give myself the time that in space, I need to just feel it. Like I can't yeah. fix it until I feel it. And so I call, I call this moment in time. And I started doing this years ago. I call it my pity party. And I learned that if I just allowed myself a day to just feel sorry for myself and be in that victim state and cry or whatever, watch some sad movies and just be all pitiful with myself, then the next day I was absolutely fine. Like, absolutely. And the more I allowed myself to do this, the quicker I recovered. And I remember one day I was like, like I was giving myself my pity day, pity party day. And I was like, you know what? This is boring. Like I, like I don't need a full day anymore. And so now sometimes it's just, mm. I need like an hour or two hours or whatever I need, you know? And, and so the stress thing, sometimes what I like to do is like dancing, that type of movement, like loud music, maybe singing loud, like dancing all weird in my living room. And I actually encourage my clients to do the same thing, especially the screaming into the pillow thing is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And one of the best stories I've ever seen, and I've, I saw this on TikTok, um, it was a woman, she was the CEO of like many different companies. And so most of her day was spent um, on Zoom calls with other people. And she kept like this pillow next to her desk. And then she also had some kind of a tactile thing for her feet to give something that was supposed to create comfort and calm. And in between each meeting, um, it was usually with different people from different companies that she was running. She would take the pillow and she would just scream into the pillow. And she's like, it wasn't that I was like, I hate my job or I was completely stressed out. She's like, it's like a reset, kind of like when you're in one of those fancy restaurants and they give you the, the you know, like the lemon sorbet to clean your palate. So, <laughs> so that's what she was doing. It's a, it's a release. You're letting go of some. Well, energy. like animals do that. Like if you yes. look at, um, like my dog, for example, if I correct her, because you know, I can tell she's like, sees another dog and starts growling and I correct her, they quit, they shake, they yes. shake. And that, you know, we just in our human experience, we, we don't have those similar type of evolutionary tactics. So I completely get what you're talking about. It's just like a quick, like release. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about the, the wild. It's like an antelope getting attacked, um, but surviving the attack, you know, how is it able to, to like go on after that? Like I, they, they have a biological way that they shake that off and go about the rest of their, their day or whatever. Right. Yeah. They actually physically shake. Like I've, I've, I either read something or watched something about that. They actually physically shake it out of their body after they get chased by the lion yeah. or whatever it is. So exactly. I, I, 
I feel like that's, I know it sounds so simple and it sounds a little silly, but it's been like life-changing for me, you know, doing yeah. that like every morning, especially if I have like a lineup of a really stressful day or a really busy day, doing that, like doing some yoga in the morning and then like a quick like dance shake kind of session, like tapping, tapping my body, you know, just like yeah. doing all these things to just like release and wake up the body. It has just been life-changing and it's still a process for me like i'm you know just because i know exactly all these things that i can do to heal myself and keep myself healthy doesn't mean that i never get stressed out or anxious i do it sure. still happens to me and so it's it's uh something that i have to really pay attention to and be mindful and aware of and in order for people to really do this for themselves they need to slow down and take a moment and it doesn't have to be 20 minutes a day it doesn't have to be you know sitting straight up with your you know your mudras and you know meditating for an hour every day it could be five minutes just to like you know just like to get centered and get back in your body and just take a few deep breaths and just be like what do i need right now just like pay attention to yourself because at the yeah. end of your life you're not going to look back and say oh, I'm so glad I worked myself to death and I didn't have any fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. And and I love that you are really, really dialed into this about the stories that we tell ourselves, you know, this mindset belief system um, mm -hmm. that we tell ourselves. And it's, you know, and I'm a, you know, I deal with this too. Like I, I've been on this healing journey for a couple of years, but I'm like, you know, in my main business, I operate, there, there's actually a, a lot of really stressful events happening right now. And I had a little meltdown over the weekend and, and it, it sucked. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my wife actually said something that was really interesting. She's like, what if things that we experience are not good and they're not bad? They just are what they are. I mean, we're the ones who attribute stories to these experiences. Mm -hmm. But what if nothing is really in inherently good or bad? It is what it is. And, and we just, I think if you can kind of get to that level of just like curiosity with it, then maybe some of these experiences we have um, in our life are, are there for us to grow. Like we're purposefully supposed to experience things and process them Um but in a way where we learn to just kind of separate from the emotional part of it, where the event itself isn't inherently good or bad, but how we experience and process the event is, you know, the story um, that we're going to be left with at the end of the day. Um, you know, and, and another thing, too, like, you know, getting back to that, that self-work, um, you know, kind of getting back to that self-work and just, you know prioritizing time for ourselves um, and that self-care. Uh, for example, you know, my day is generally a shit show. I mean, it's very busy. Um, I have all sorts of people that are, you know, all over me. They need stuff from me. So I used to prior, I used to kind of live this existence where I got to just keep working because I got to keep up and everybody expects stuff from me. And so I, I kept just you know, prioritizing other people's needs for me. But what I started doing not too long ago, like I like to take this little loop walk around um, where my office is located. And 
just clear my head, listen to a podcast, music, whatever it may be. And like even yesterday, I, I, I went like I knew that uh, if I didn't get my walk started in the next 15 minutes, like I was going to miss my window because I had to go pick up my kid from daycare. And so I just left the office and I went to go for my walk. Well, immediately one of my business partners is like, hey, can we chat real quick? And I'm finding really now the confidence to say nope or ignore it. Sorry, I'm on my walk right now. I'll get back to you when I'm done. Um, nothing is as important as carving out that time for myself. I don't care what's going on in my business. I mean, I'll take an emergency call if there's, you know, somebody is, is hurt or whatever, um, or, or one of my kids is sick, but there's nothing else that's going to, I'm going to allow to intrude on that time. I don't care what it is. Um, but you know, I just think in this society, we've kind of, uh, we've kind of normalized this belief system that it's like a badge of honor, how hard we work and it does give power. Like when we're having conversations with our friends or whatever, like, God, I'm so busy right now. I can't, I can't find the time to just do this or that to take care of myself. It's like when we give focus and time to that story, guess what's going to happen? You're going to, you're going to introduce more of that into your life. So it's really important not to give power to these conversations around how we're, you know, things that are negative. And my wife actually called me out on it this morning. Like I read, um, you know, this, it was a, it was a news story about Carlos Santana, um, and just something he said on stage. I won't repeat it here cause I don't want to give that energy, but I did reshare that and, and make a comment on Facebook. And my wife was like, do you want to give energy to that and allow for that, you know, more of that to, to be in your world? And it's like, no, I, you're right. I completely get that. So, um, I took that down. All right. So as we come to a close today, um, I always ask the same two questions around the theme of discoveries. So the first is what discoveries have you made just about podcasting in your time doing it, your 64 episodes? Like how has your perception of podcasting in general kind of shifted between when you started and where you're at today? Oh, yes. So I always wanted to start a podcast after after I kind of made the switch from health coach to life coach. Um, even though I do still do health coaching, I, my focus really is life coaching. As soon as I made that shift, I felt like I wanted to get more of my message out there. I was really like, it's like I made that decision. It was weird. Um, did I lose you again? I'm sorry. I made that, I made that decision that I, you know, that this is what I wanted to do. And then I was really inspired to get my message out there. And so I had talked with another person. We were talking about the podcast for a year or so. And then finally I was just like, I'm just going to do this, right? I, this is a way that I can connect with so many people. And so I started the podcast. I just did it. I did it imperfectly and I absolutely loved it. And then when I started having the guests on is when it really expanded because it wasn't just my voice. It was the voices of all these other people doing so much of the same work, but doing it differently. And it was just so encouraging. Um, it was even more inspiring for me. And I feel like it's even more powerful now because the more people that you can have on there teaching the same sort of uh, concept that I talk about, 
the more people you're going to reach because everybody relates to some, you know, uh, coaches differently. And there's not just coaches, there's healers that I have on the show also. So somebody's going to resonate with that person who might not resonate with me. And that gives them the ability to move forward with exactly what I want to normalize, normalizing self-care, normalizing, putting yourself first in order to put your best, the best version of yourself into the world. And so it's just kind of amplified that and kind of moved it forward at warp speed. That's the way I look at it. And it was like, I mean, just like a quantum leap into the, the next, the next level, you know? And so it's, it's just been life-changing for me and hopefully just life-changing for many other people out there. Well, I think you're meant to be doing it. I thank you for the work that you are doing because it is, like I said in the intro, it's so important. Um, more and more people that are doing this type of work, talking about mindset, um, because I do think, you know, we are in this transition, age of awareness, time in society where, you know, we're going from where we thought running and eating well was all we needed to do, but but we're really now understanding the nervous system. We're understanding trauma. It's, you know, how it gets stored in our bodies and how it manifests. And so the more and more conversations that can be had with people, um, I really and strongly think is making a great impact. So thank you so much for being a guest here today, Tina. Thanks for having me, Adam. Tina Stinson is a health and wellness coach specializing in normalizing deep level self-care so that you can step into your power and live your purpose. Her podcast, Soul Aligned Self-Care, seeks to empower women around mindset, self-love, and self-development. To find out more, check out tinastinson.com and check out her Mind Body Soul Reset Bootcamp program that she offers twice per year where she goes into 11 different deep-level self-care practices. Beyond the Microphone is sponsored by Podtask. Whether you're just starting out in podcasting or you've been at this a while and are looking to save time so you can focus on creating amazing content for your listeners, go check out Podtask, a, content, a, a podcast management and marketing platform designed by podcasters for podcasters. With Podtask's automated workflow and AI-based marketing tools, you'll save time and sanity and be better equipped to grow your podcasts. If you're enjoying Beyond the Microphone, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, as well as to our YouTube channel. You can find links to all of these in our episode show notes. And please also leave us a nice rating and review because that is a great way for Beyond the Microphone to be found. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time on Beyond the Microphone. Beyond the Microphone is produced and distributed by EIQ Media Group, LLC. Elevate your emotional IQ with podcasts and content focused on entrepreneurship, overcoming adversity, stories of emotional courage, women's health, aging, and more.